Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing good. It was good visiting with you and just catching up. It was off the heels of our 100th episode. We begin episode 101. Awesome. A new, a new century has begun. That's right. Yeah. Tell us, tell us about today's uh, topics. What are we talking about today? Title of this, uh, of the pod today is, are you bottlenecking the organization you lead? <laughs> so today's going to be one of those self analytical days, right? I where, think so. I hope leaders so. are going to have to be honest. They're going to have to say, um, you know, I, I, I have had a mention or two of something like this, but I just thought they were being critical or we're going to really have to take an honest look at whether or not the one of the biggest problems in our organization is those who lead it. Right. Which right. is hard to admit. Yes. So, so tell us tell us about this. So the, I, I believe that the most influential contributor to the growth of an organization, whether it's a business or a church, is the growth of its leader. Yeah. And uh, when a leader stops growing. Uh, he or she limits the potential of the entity they lead and, and they can become a bottleneck. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think the, the most common factor, Jim, in the bottlenecking of an organization is, is the inability of a leader to let go uh, yeah. sometimes to innovate yeah. Uh, and, and, and as a church, well, let's, let's just use churches as an example, yeah. as a church re- passes certain size plateaus, the way decisions are made change. Yes. Right? They, they better. Well, they yeah. should, right. The yeah. people who make those decisions change and the leadership yeah. function has to adapt to accommodate growth. You know, you can't lead, well, you could try, but you'll, you'll fail. You can't lead a church of 400 the same way. You lead a church of 150. No, I and I stay healthy completely. And that's the thing. And you, you realize, you know, loving God gives us the ability to feel pain because it tells us something's wrong. And maybe that's one of those things as we're looking into our hearts today, like, am I too tired? Am I too mm-hmm. frustrated? Am I is the joy of this, you know, really uh, starting to drain from it? Uh, am I cranky? You know, those sorts of things. Those are clues that something is out of balance and uh, and something's wrong. Yeah. So yeah. today, what I'd like to do is talk about uh, some really practical ways that a leader can avoid becoming their organization's bottleneck. Uh, so here's let's here's the first one, and that yeah. is to stay teachable. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs tells us bluntly. I love Proverbs because there's a lot of wisdom there, but they don't mince words either. No. Um, it, it, it says this: He who hates correction is stupid. Stupid. <laughs> and I, I love it. Um, so, so teachability, you know, we've heard that word a lot, Jim, it, yeah. but it's more, I think teachability is more than just gathering information or, or yes. gathering yeah. data. It, teachability includes letting that data transform us, our, our, our character, our behavior, our relationships. And, and, and yeah, even the way we lead, and, and here's the, what I've discovered about myself. I'm not sure if you've discovered this about yourself, that the longer I lead, the harder I have to work at staying teachable. Yes. Yes. I, I, 
I was joking the other day saying, you know, that everybody has to be careful as much as you're in the lives of, of pastors and seeing what's going on everywhere. If we're not careful, we'll be the two old guys in the balcony of the Muppets, you know, instead of, instead of people that are, you know, that are actually teachable. Because I, I think, I think what got us, if we're having that measure of success and we've grown to that certain place that requires us to change, it's really easy to trust what got us there. Yes. You know, what got us here was give me that old time religion or what got us here was, uh, you know, a certain methodology or certain leadership style. Everybody could come to me as I'm walking to the platform and say, hey, could you announce this? Hey, could you announce that? But, you know, that might be okay for a church of 50 people. It was a church of 500 people. No, no pastor wants to be stopped four times with last minute instructions of things that all that's just a lack of planning, right? The leadership right. structure needed the change and it hasn't. And uh, so staying teachable with, and, and not just us, but the people we serve, because as we have to change the leadership dynamics, we have to teach teachability. Yes. And how can you, how can you teach teachability unless you're teachable? Right. And, and I think some pastors might wonder, well, who, you know, how does, how does that work for me as a leader? Who, who, yeah. am, I, who am I supposed to learn from? And I, I think, I think being willing to learn from other leaders Yes. who are a bit farther down the road in their leadership still can help. Right. Um, yeah. I don't want to, I mean, I can learn from a pastor of a church of 20,000 people. I really can, you know, but if I'm pastoring a church of 200, I probably could learn more. That's helpful to me from a pastor who's at 400, right. Cause he's a little Always. closer. He's a little closer to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if we work at this and are intentional about it, our church has a much better chance of reaching and discipling more people. I won't become the, 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 the lid. I won't become the, right. the, the, the bottleneck. Um, I'll actually have the opposite effect. So I think teachability is, mm-hmm. is one way we do that. And it's just, I think another word for teachability, may be humility, right? Yes. Just being, being willing to being humble enough to go to people that you believe may have the answers and then really listening. And right. I, I think one of the things we're blessed with as ministers is, is the stories of other ministers. I've never known a minister that, you know, some, if I called somebody and say, listen, you're about three steps in front of me, I'd love to buy a cup of coffee. I've never once had somebody in 30 years of asking this question, say, I, I don't want to, mm. you know, they might say I'm busy. You might have to wait a month or, but everybody loves helping the next person not step on the same, <coughs> the same landmines, you know, right. that, that they did. And uh, we're, I, I think we are, I think we're, we're there for the asking. You know, yeah. I think I, all the pastors I've asked, they were there for the asking and those who asked got the answers and those who didn't continue to fake <laughs> leadership. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think um, the humility piece that you mentioned, really is critical. I think humility, part of humility is this, that the more I learn, the more I know, the more I understand that I don't know. If yes. that makes sense, like the more I it learn does. about leadership, the more I learn about it, it's like, wow, there's this whole world out there that I still don't get and I still don't understand. So that that's yeah. the first one. And the second one is to stay experimental. Yeah. Um, at my home church, our lead pastor often said, everything is an experiment. Yeah, I love that. That's and a I, great culture. Yeah, I loved it. You know, that mindset takes the pressure off. It yeah. it, it loosens the bottleneck. Um uh, it frees people to, to dream and to yeah. take chances. Um, you know, Jim, you and I sat a few weeks ago uh, and we're doing some dreaming together about converged coaching. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, we thought about some pretty bold moves, you know, that uh, scared me a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, 
but I'm taking the approach that some of this is experimental, right? We're going to try some yeah. of this and you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We'll, we'll adjust. Um, yeah. What do you think about this second one, Jim, uh, staying experimental? We, we have a saying around here. We, we say it's an experiment for a season. Mm-hmm. So for example, we used to have a, a midweek service that was in the summertime. That was primarily for people that were going to go up North over the weekend, but didn't want to miss church. Right. Well, now, because the internet is so reliable and because live stream is so excellent and so forth, it's become a, a cultural norm. We just found very few people want to go to church at all on Thursday night. They would just catch it from their cabin on Sunday morning. They mm-hmm. want to enjoy it live um, you know, versus a smaller service. So what we did is we said for the summer, let's do an experiment for a season. So we set up dinner tables. We provided uh, you know really complex meals like walking tacos, which is a bag of Cheetos and taco meat yes. and, and a spoon, you know? <laughs> And so we come together for half an hour, we eat dinner with friends, old and new. And then we take Sunday's message and we go from inspiration to application mm-hmm. with no more than eight people or because the table only fits eight. Right. People get to know each other's names. They share a meal, they talk and they, they digest the word of God together. And so we, we, if it works, we'll continue to do it. If it doesn't, we didn't fail. We didn't cancel something to start something new that nobody liked. We did an experiment for a season. That season is the summer. The experiment is the the application dinners that we're doing. And I just, you know, there's, there's no pressure on me to make it succeed uh, or to fight those who don't want it, want to go back the other way, because everybody understands this is an experiment. It may work. It may not. And it's for a season. It may last. It may not. Right. And, and so I I love that because it takes, uh, you set the expectation, right? This is, this, this may not be permanent. So just keep that in your mind. Yeah. Should we decide we're not going to continue this in the, in the fall? I, I think, I think leaders often fear trying new things, Jim, because deep down they wonder, what if this thing blows up? Yeah. yeah. What if this blows up in my face? What if it makes, will I lose credibility? Will it create turbulence that I I don't want? And, and, and this fear factor associated with attempting new ways to lead or organize and even share the workload keeps their church bottled up. And I think staying experimental releases you and your team to try new stuff. And if those things don't work out, oh, well, it, you know, it was an experiment. Yeah. I think, especially if this is like a long-term program, uh, you know, long-term ministry, but you're, you're watching the effectiveness of that program wane through the years, harder to get volunteers, less people are showing up, but to some it's like their life, their ministry is this boys club or this missionettes program or this boy scout troop or whatever it is. And, and, and you have to be honest about the season you're in. So to say, hey, for the summer, I think summers are good because it gives you a mm. long enough time where enough significant people come and go that there's a, there's a looseness to change in, in yeah. summer that isn't there or probably shouldn't be there in October when people are back in their rhythms and now we're experimenting. But I, I just, <clears throat> I, I think, again, it, I, I went to somebody, um, it was a senior pastor when I first came to the Michigan district 27 years ago and said, Who, who's the guy? that's going to be able to answer all my questions. They pointed him out to me at district council. I went and sat down next to him. I said, you don't know me, but I'm full of questions. I won't take any of your time, but if you'll give me five minutes, I'll be eternally grateful. He said, yes. I said, what's the number one thing I don't know that, that a pastor needs to know? And I'll never forget. He said, cultivate a culture of change. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing changes, people's religious tendencies quickly become the religious dependencies. So if, if that worship leader is the only one that leads that song that everybody loves, you need someone else to lead that song because they won't know how to worship unless that leader leads it. If the carpeting in the foyerway never changes, you'll have a jihadi, you know, attack on your hands when you change the color of the paint or the carpet. So the, every time they come in on, on a monthly or quarterly basis, 
something should have significantly changed so that your culture is flexible to change. I thought, I don't understand why that's so important, but I, I'm going to trust this guy. Yeah. Now, 27 years later, that's important. Yeah. And, and well, this experiment is, is a brilliant way to do it because it takes all the heat off of, we're getting rid of this program. Right. We're going to start something new. We're not. We're, we're putting aside for a season. Uh, it's an experiment. I hope you'll join us. And yeah. if it doesn't work, you go right back to what was failing before. And if it does work, then nobody wants to go back. That's right. And that's such great advice, man. That's wonderful advice uh, that he gave you all yeah. those uh, years ago. Let me give you a one more. And I think we already touched on this, right? Yeah, but yeah. we're going to reinforce it. The third piece of uh, uncorking the bottleneck in the organization you lead is staying humble. And we already talked yeah. about uh, but in a different way now. Yeah, this is different than that first way. This is that was teachable. I think this is something completely different. It, it, it is, you know, the day a leader discovers he or she can't do it all by themselves is an historic day in yeah. their leadership life. And the day they stop trying to do it all is even more <laughs> historic. Yes. Um, I, I think it takes genuine humility to let go, to, yeah. to admit you can't do by yourself the work God's given you to do. As a matter of fact, I think if you believe that you can do that, I don't know that your vision is big enough. I don't know that I think you've minimized what God wants to accomplish uh, through you. And, it, and it's really humbling to admit that in order to fulfill your leadership calling, you're going to have to learn how to get work done through other people. Yeah. Um, that's a great, yeah. that's a great statement, by the way, how to get work done through other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't learn that in Bible college. I love the school I went to. Uh, it was a wonderful yeah. school, but we didn't, yeah. we didn't talk about this kind of stuff. How do you actually get work done through other people? Um, yeah. I learned that in the corporate arena. Yeah. And um, uh, unfortunately, I, I wish, uh, I wish that we would do a little bit better job there preparing. Um, yeah. You know, Jim, it's interesting to me that in our work, we occasionally encounter, encounter leaders of very large churches who lead like they're planting a new work. Hmm. You know, their hands are in everything. I know pastors yes. of churches of eight, nine hundred, a thousand yeah. who are struggling to let go, to trust their team, to deliver. And they operate as if the whole thing depends on them. Can I ask you a question about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Because you, you know, people that pastor large churches, you know, 500 to a thousand people, but you also know people that pastor organizations that are 10,000 to 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, it's my guess that there aren't people that, that there aren't pastors that lead churches of 10,000 that also have their hands in everything. No, absolutely not. So my contention is, I wonder if the, if the leader that can lead to a 900 or a thousand really isn't capable of leading, you know, 1500, 2000, 3000. And the reason they've stopped at 800, 900, you know, that, that we grew to 900 and then shrunk to 700. We grew to 900. And of course right. you say it's the pandemic, it's the economy. It probably isn't. If anybody else has grown beyond that barrier, I mean, barriers are telling us something. Barriers right. are telling us it's something needs to change or someone needs to change. And right. I, I think that that's, I, I, would, I have been around large churches as well. And one of the things that I've noticed universally is the lead pastors. I mean, the, the, the key leaders do very few things in the organization. They do them very well and often have other people that actually, you know, deal with the staff, an executive pastor that right. does a lot of that. So that it frees them up to do the things that they do very well. And they free up others to do the things they do very well. And it, it makes a lot of sense. I think too, John, can I just explore if, if you are the one that has to do everything, you're actually robbing your people 
from what God has created them to do. I believe so that. If, if you think you have to do all the marriage counseling, but there's people in your, in your organization that have great experiences that, that they would benefit, like their, their mess could become their message. If you release them, I, right. I think you're robbing those people. I, but it won't be done as well. It'll, you know, it's hard. I, I trusted people once and they burned me. All these things yeah. are not reasons to burn yourself out and be inefficient. I, they're just, they're just wounds we have to get over. I think. Yeah. John Maxwell said something a, a while back. And when I say a while back, probably 25 years ago, um, <laughs> that if somebody can do a, a task 80% as well as you can, why are you still doing it? Yes. And I thought, wow, that, that is such a great thought. Right. Um, I you think, think well, what does, what does John do? I mean, John, John is Captain Kirk. He's not Scotty. He's not Bones. He's not Spock. He stands on the bridge and he, and he comes up with great ideas yep. that he then delegates over to away teams. You know, they go off to the planet and the security guy invariably gets killed, but everybody else, everybody else, you know, survives the mission. It's, I, I think, you know, the number of businesses, the number of ministries, the number of books, the number of seminars that, that he has done, that is, that is, I think, maybe a great evidence of what you're talking about today is that he, he gets it to a place where he can turn it over to somebody. And that's not the day he no longer has a purpose. That's the day he moves on to the next dream. That's right. And shares it with somebody else, often half his age or, or less right. nowadays to, to lead these organizations. I, he's a brilliant example of what you're talking about, I think. Yeah. So, so if you're listening or watching today and, and you suspect that you might be bottlenecking the organization you lead, yeah. we want to just encourage you to stay teachable. Uh, yeah. stay experimental, stay humble. These behaviors are within your reach and they help you grow. They help you adapt and they really increase the chances of your organization reaching its full potential and accomplishing its mission. That's what this is all about, right? It's yeah. what is the potential of the organization I lead? God, help me to get out of the way yeah. so that we can actually accomplish what you've assigned to us to do. So Jim, that's what I've got today on this I most important it. subject. Hey, could you give us 30 seconds on, on one last piece? And it's in that humility piece. And that is yep. the, uh, there's a younger generation that's, that's, they, they, they know things we don't know because they were raised with buttons in their hands. Is that, right. you think that applies as well, being humble enough to realize that maybe somebody half your age might know twice as much about how to reach people today. Yep. Not, they don't have the, they don't have the wisdom, but they do have knowledge, I think, insight, yep. So could you just address that? What, what would you say to a senior pastor that has a 20-something-year-old a staff member? And, and how, do you, how do we help them grow into their potential and, yeah. and bless the church they serve? Well, I'm, I'm, we, we didn't plan for this, but I'll do this off the cuff yeah. to the best of my ability. I think, I think uh, foundationally, we have to understand that that 20, 22-year-old, 23-year-old is totally different than we are in our generation. Yeah. I mean, it's totally different. And, and we have to understand that. Now, there's some things about that that I don't like, right? Um, but I have, to, I have to acknowledge the fact that they, they don't look at life through the same set of lenses I do. No. That's, that's the first thing. Secondly is, um, yeah, are you going to, when you, when you trust something to a, a younger individual, when I was a campus pastor for our church uh, several years ago, uh, our, our worship leader was 21 years old. She led yeah. the entire worship ministry, did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, and, and so did she do everything right? No, she struggled with communication. 
you know, so yeah. I had to, I had to help her with that. Yeah. And, you know, I had a conversation with her one time. It went something like this and she's such a sweet young lady. Um, I said to her, when I text you, I do expect you to text me back within <laughs> less than a week. <laughs> so yeah, I had to work at that piece of it with them. Their, their ability, their creativity, their ability to tap into the younger crowd. Yes far exceeded my ability to do that. I had to just help them with some of the mechanisms or structural things that they just didn't really understand yet, Jim. So yeah. I think there's fear uh, in, in some pastors. If, if I let this young guy um, do something, this young girl do something, are they going to embarrass me? Are they going to do something? Yeah. You know, and I'll tell you what, I had a wonderful lead pastor at Saginaw First Assembly, who gave me so much rope. He gave me more rope than a 24-year-old should ever have had. Right, right. Um, but it, I just felt so free to, uh, to do what I believe was right to do. Now, if I got out of bounds, he would always correct me, right? And he'd say, hey, John, you, can, you can't do that. Um, right. But he right. wasn't micromanaging me. He, he wasn't right. ho- hovering over me. He said, go here's the parameters, make it, make it happen the way you see fit. And whenever I would cross the line, we'd have a conversation. So I'm not even sure if that's close to what you were looking for. But no, it is. it is. Those are some I, of the things I think about. You know, the, the best parents I know raised their children to, not to be good children, but to be good adults. Yep. And I think the best pastors I know, they, they lead their staffs not to be good youth pastors, but to be men of God, women of God. Mm. And, and yeah, so I, I think that was brilliant. Thank you, John. I know we've got another episode coming up that kind of ties into this. You want to give us a, a 15 second teaser on that? Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the relationship between teachability, which we've talked about a little bit here yeah. uh, today, and longevity. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I saw a stat just a couple of days ago that the Assemblies of God had more pastors resign uh, in the last year than ever before. Yeah. And uh, so we want to talk about how we want to talk about longevity on a lot of levels, but I want to talk about how teachability impacts that. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. John, thank you so much for your wisdom and taking the, the hundreds or even thousands of conversations, condensing them down to a handful of words into a handful of minutes so we can it's like we've been in the room with you for those conversations with those leaders. God bless you. And God bless you, our, our listeners and watchers. We are always here for you. And uh, boy, I tell you, if you want to continue this conversation, John's going to tell you the, the email address to get a hold of us, the website address. Convergecoach.com. Hit the contact us link and that'll start a conversation with us. There you go. Until next time, God bless you as we all continue to strive, serving the Lord, blessing this next generation, moving in the future as we lead from alignment.